Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Changing the Game in Revenue Growth, presented by SAP, the best-run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo. In light of findings that 74% of all B2B and B2C buyers do their own research online before making a purchase, it's time for you to better understand how your customers make their purchasing decisions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Almost holiday time. Can you believe it's December already? OMG, we're almost done with another decade. Let's see what the buzz on the street is today. Well, first of all, you're here because you want to run with the game changers, and I promise you, this is where the best run. I have a quote from Gary Vaynerchuk. You may know him as Gary V. He took a wine business in New Jersey that was his father's and catapulted it to worldwide fame, huge growth. He is a master at social media, great business guy, and I love quoting him. And here's the quote. Listen up, and then I'll tell you what we're going to be talking about today. He advises, market like the year you are in. Oh my, what an interesting statement. So what are we talking about today? You all know, B2B, the new customer journey, it's in progress. It's changing. It's not what people used to do to buy on B2B marketplace. But a couple of cornerstones of marketing remain solid. You have to test and you have to plan. Why? You want to gauge the health of your marketing program, your sales program. And if you're lucky, we just talked about account-based marketing and the, the collaboration of marketing and sales. If you're lucky, the two teams are talking to each other and getting along well and helping you plan your strategies. Well, each demand gener- generation program, you know, you have a lot of those going on. Each social media campaign, each experiential event that you plan is a chance for you and your teams to test, learn, and refine planning. Why? You want to adjust for revenue growth. It's not static. It's not just sitting there in a box on the desk saying, here is revenue growth and everything you've done before is going to be fine. No, you need to think ahead. You need to plan and figure out if what you are doing is the best for where you are. As Gary says, market like the year you were in. So I have three experts and we just had some tweets telling me that our experts are indeed experts. We're going to have great information from them. First up in a moment, I will have Barry Maltz at the Schaffron Maltz Group. He's a returning guest. I'll have Barry introduce himself to all of you. Joining us also another repeat guest, Stacey Sussman, founder of SSR Digital Group. Thrilled to have Stacey on board. And joining us is a new panelist. He's at SAP. It's Will Black. He'll tell you a little bit later where he's calling from or where we found him. He's a team lead in the Partner Service Delivery Organization at SAP. So welcome to my three panelists. Thank you for taking time out of your busy pre-holiday, whatever you're doing. Black Friday, Black Monday, it's a Tuesday. I don't know what color today is, but I know you're all busy. So Barry Maltz, why don't you please spend about two minutes introducing yourself to the audience in case they haven't met you yet. Go ahead. Hey, Bonnie, thanks again for having your show. I was a little worried when you were mentioning Gary Vaynerchuk's quote. I thought it was not a curse word or something in it because uh, I've seen him present many times. And he's very forceful okay. what he talks about. So I'm, I'm a recovering entrepreneurholic. I've had three businesses over the last 15 years, and now I help small businesses get unstuck through writing, motivational speaking. And I also host my own radio show called The Small Business Radio Show uh, every week here in Chicago. Very, very nice. And what have you been up to since the last time you were on with me? It was a couple of weeks ago, I think, Barry. You're almost a regular here on Changing the Game and Revenue Growth. Anything new in your company? 
oh, I would love to be. Well, I'm really focusing on uh, next year. This is really the time of year that I always go back and say, you know, what's really been working for me this year? And be very mm-hmm. honest, Bonnie, and say, what really hasn't worked this year? What really has failed? And how we can improve for next year. So for me, December is a time of evaluation. Thank you. Very, very interesting. I appreciate that perspective. I'm talking to a lot of companies right now, Barry, about starting podcasts. I still call this radio. I'm very old-fashioned. And they're looking ahead to where they need to expand their marketing, looking at what they've done, looking at the world of live talk on whether you call it radio or podcasts or streaming, and they're figuring out, is this a good place for me? So I'm very aware of that reflection and planning. Good time to have the show. Thank you, Barry. And welcoming back Stacy Sussman at the SSR Digital Group. Stacy, I hope you've been well since the last time, and please reintroduce yourself to our audience. Hey, everyone. Thanks for Bonnie and the team for having me back on the show. Super excited to be here. Um, My company, SSR Digital Group, is a boutique consultancy that leverages technology and automation to drive explosive growth for clients. Um, It's industry agnostic. doesn't really matter. You all have the same problems. I work a lot with startups and SMBs, and we really assess what your technology and sales looks like, and we bring in the bacon for you guys. Very cool. Stacey, how did you start the company? How long ago did SSR Digital Group come into being? And, and what was a little bit of your background that brought you to this point in your career? Sure. I am a former sales and sales leader for our Fortune 500 companies. I have background and expertise in sales, revenue growth, and digital marketing. And I was in corporate for over 15 years and then decided I really wanted to help companies at the end of the day and get back to my roots. So I love working with the CEOs and the founders and the VCs and whoever else there is. And we basically kind of assess what their technology stack looks like, assess where the holes are in the process. And we Mm -hmm. put some process documentation and automation in place in order for them to just grow. Very nice to just grow. You know something? That'd be a great name for a radio series, Stacey. It's time to just grow. <laughs> I happen to like that. I'll ask Barry and Will later if they like that, too. Let's move on. Thank you, Stacy. Will Black is our new panelist here. Will, welcome to Game Changers Radio. And why don't you introduce yourself to our audience, please? Will Black. Hi, Bonnie. Thanks a million Hi. for having me on. Delighted to be here. So, yeah, my name is Will Black. I'm a team lead here at SAP, leading a team of partner marketing experts. I am based, you may have guessed by the accent, on the, on the west coast of Ireland in hmm. Galway. Um, you can you can poke fun at my accent if you want. I know I'm the only Irish guy on the call. <laughs> I love it. I I love I'm it. You just keep you just keep that accent because we we can identify you that way. No, I love your accent. Go ahead, Will. What's your background? How did you get to this point in your career? So my background is sales and marketing. I've worked across different industries in B two C and B two B, but um, obviously more recently I've been completely focused on helping B two B organizations. And what was your training? Did you start off as, as somebody in the digital world, or what's your background in terms of education? How does somebody get to be Will Black at this stage in their life? That's what I want to know. Sure. So I studied marketing in college, and uh, right out of college, I went into actually a, a sales job, an account manager for an IT distributor. So hmm. smiling and dialing, and eventually I've moved into my roots, into marketing, and I, I've been there ever since, and it's, it's my passion. Thank you very much. You have a wonderfully clear phone line. We appreciate that. And welcome on board to Game Changers Radio. Will Black, pleased to have you. 
Barry Maltz, this is the time of the show where I read the quotes each panelist has sent me before the show. And to my listeners, if you're not familiar with the format, I ask the panelists to send me a quote from a movie, a book, a song, from a person famous or not so famous that has absolutely nothing to do with the topic of our show today on the surface. And then I ask them in their own words here live on the radio to relate the quote to the topic. And we get to hear how they think and what this all means to them. So Barry has sent us a quote from, I hope I'm pronouncing this right, Barry Osho, O-S-H-O, full name Rajnesh, born Chandra Mohan Jain in 1931 and passed away in 1990, a.k.a. Achara Rajnesh, a couple of names here, Bhagwan Sri Rajnesh and later Asho, was an Indian godman and founder of the Rajneesh movement. He was viewed as a controversial new religious movement leader and a mystic. And he criticized Gandhi. That may be one of the reasons he has risen to fame. And there are other reasons I won't go into. Here's the quote. Truth is not to be found outside. No teacher, no scripture can give it to you. It is inside you. And if you wish to attain it, seek your own company, be with yourself. Barry, that's deep. Tell me how you found this quote, please. Well, I really like this quote, really, because, well, next time, Bonnie, I'll pick a quote from a guy with a shorter name, right? This guy has a really long <laughs> name. No problem. No, I like long quotes. Gives me a chance to read prosely. Go ahead. <laughs> prosely. Exactly. So I like this because I think that in our society today, there's such an assault on truth and what really is truth. And I think that every company has to decide what their truth is, what's their mission, what's their why, why are they out there, what they're going to be really doing for customers. And they can't be afraid to embrace whatever their own truth is and don't let other people tell them what it is. Interesting. Very interesting. Thank you, Barry. Uh, I love when we get into the human part of all of this revenue and marketing and when we talk about the people side. Be yourself. Thank you very much. Good quote, and I had no idea who Osho was, so uh, you could always send me a long quote. Speaking of long quotes, Stacy has a quote that's five times longer than yours, Barry, so don't feel badly. <laughs> Stacy sent us a quote from Shel Silverstein, Sheldon Allen, in it, well, he went by S-H-E-L, Shell Silverstein, 1930 to 1999. So he was born around the same time as Osho and lived a few years longer. Shell Silverstein was a beloved American poet, cartoonist, screenwriter, and the author of children's books. He sold only over 20 million copies. Oh, my. And he wrote a poem uh, where a speaker describes three different types of people, the yeses, the nose and the think for your selfies. And let me read this, Stacy, and then I'll have you tell us how you picked this quote. Here we go. The yeses said yes to anything that anyone suggested. The nose said no to everything unless it was proven and tested. So the yeses all died of much too much and the nose all died of fright. But somehow I think the think for your selfies all came out all right. How did I do, Stacy? Was that okay? <laughs> Amazing. I love this one. <laughs> Talk to me. What in the world does this have to do with revenue growth and testing and planning? This I have to hear. So every day we have our bosses and our board and everyone telling us what to do. So to me, those are the yeses. You're just going to tell your upper management, okay, I'll go and I'll run and I'll go do that. Then you have some of those people that are no's and they're afraid or they're frightened or they don't want to do it or they don't know how to do it. And I think working with SMBs and startups, the people that have the idea and are the think for yourselfies 
are the ones that actually end up being successful because they're taking the information from the yeses and the information from the noes. They're forming their own hypotheses. They're pivoting. They're growing. They're changing, and they're successful. Thank you very much. I love this. It's uh, there's so many lessons in this quote. Stacey, there, there's so many things to learn. And one of them, of course, goes back to the Asho quote that Barry Mulcha shared about being yourself, right? Knowing who you are. So thank you very much. Will Black, ready for your quote. You picked a quote from Thomas Edison, 1847 to 1931. All three of you picked uh, people who either were born in the 1930-31 or died in 1931 without even talking to each other. I look for little things like that. Just forgive me. So uh, here, Thomas Edison, Thomas A. or Alva Edison, 1847 to 1931, was an American inventor and businessman who has been described as America's greatest inventor. He developed devices in fields like electric power generation. Thank you, Thomas A. Edison. Mass communication. I think thank you, Thomas A. Edison. Sound recording. Definitely thank you, Thomas A. Edison. And motion pictures. He included, he invented the phonograph. Those of you who were in the digital age don't know, but it was called a record player and you put a vinyl thing on it and a little needle and it played music for you. Uh-huh. Motion picture camera, which now is part of our phones, and the long-lasting practical electrical electric light bulb, which we still have today. So here is the quote Will has selected. Good fortune is what happens when opportunity meets with planning. Will, please relate this to our topic for me. Sure, Bonnie. So... The reason I took this quote and I really love it is the more you plan, the more you test, the more opportunities come your way. So doing some research, more research on Thomas as well, he planned, he tested a lot. He had a lot of good fortune when it came to actually getting results. I think it applies to this topic a lot because we often have that one shining light or that place to get to. but We don't have that plan and we don't test enough. We have the, the end game but we don't have our little map with our journey to it. And I really think Thomas summed it up well in, in quite a short number of words in a short sentence. Certainly did. Thank you very much. Now you know how the quotes work on the show. Thank you all. Let's get to know our panelists a little bit better with some up-close and personal questions, as I like to say, not too up-close and not too personal. Barry Maltz, where are you today? If you want to give us a little weather report, we might find that interesting. And what's your favorite beverage? And Barry, Stacey, and Will, I usually ask what's your favorite drink in the whole wide world, but we are just a matter of it's December 3rd today, so we are 28 days away from New Year's Eve 2020 on the verge of a new decade. Oh, OMG. Can't believe it's going so fast. At least for me, it has been this year. And I'd love to know, do you have any special holiday beverage on ice or in the cabinet or in the wine cellar that you're planning to imbibe to celebrate 2020? Barry, talk to me. Well, I'm actually in Chicago today. Uh, It's uh, cold, but it's not raining. so That's always good. And my favorite holiday beverage is X-Rosé. It's A-I-X, and I like it chilled. Very, very nice. Well, I'm glad you're not inundated with snow yet. Is that in your forecast? Um, We actually had it over the weekend, so now uh, we're just trying to clear up. Very interesting. Thank you very much. I'll tell you where I am in a minute and what the forecast is here. Stacy Sussman, New York City Stuss. Where are you? That's, that's your handle. Where are you today and a little bit about your weather? And what are you planning to drink on New Year's Eve if you want to share that with us, Stacy? Sure. I'm in New York City. I'm on the Upper East Side. It is a beautiful, sunny day post uh, the snowstorm yesterday and into last night. 
And my drink of choice would be a Moscow Mule in one of mm. those adorable little copper mugs with a little handle would be good. Um, some vodka would prefer something swanky. So we're talking like maybe like a kettle or like a Belvedere, um, some really high quality cold ginger beer and a little stir and some garnish and sip that right up. Wow, that sounds fascinating. I, I have the picture of it in my mind. Thank you very much. I, I can't survive vodka. It goes right to my knees and then I go, I crash. So I'm going <laughs> to applaud you enjoying your Moscow Mule. Good for you. Thank you very much. Will Black, where exactly in Ireland are, if you want to share, I don't want the number on your house or exactly the Google map coordinates <laughs> of the roof of your office building, but where you mentioned, uh, which coast you mentioned Galway, is there a specific city you're in and what's the weather? What time of the day or night is it? And Will, what's your favorite beverage for the coming up holiday? Sure, Bunny. So it's 5.20 p.m. and it's currently 3 degrees Celsius, or I know you guys use Fahrenheit, so 37 degrees Fahrenheit. Oh. And it's pretty cold, so... Yeah, I'm 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 feeling the chill a little bit, and and to warm me up, uh, uh, my favorite beverage and a, a festive one is an Irish coffee, which is one shot espresso, some whipped cream, a little teaspoon of cane sugar, and finally a nice pouring of Irish whiskey. Mm, what other kind of whiskey is there, right, Will? Thank you very and much. Do you, are you going to be? Do you celebrate the the Christmas New Year's holiday over there the same way we do here in the states, we Will? Do indeed. You do. Okay. Yes, we do well, that indeed. sounds yeah. that sounds good. Well, I'm here in Durham, North Carolina. I'm still getting used to the what I thought was the warm deep south here, maybe not that deep, and I am getting used to the fact that overnight the temperatures are around 32 degrees Fahrenheit, so Will, we're on a par with you, and then they might reach up to the low 60s during the day. So we had about a 40-degree temperature shift during the summer, and now in the winter it's about the same 30 to 40 degrees. I recently put a, a built a greenhouse, one of those portable ones you make with pipes and PVC connectors, and it's got a clear uh, plastic heavy-duty cover on it looks like a house with a roof and it's pointed so you can I'm five foot but a six foot person could walk into it and I have to keep a heater on at night to keep the temperature from going down to 32 degrees and killing all my plants but when I wake up in the morning if the sun is shining the temperature in the greenhouse can go up to 120 degrees, so I have to turn the heater off right away. That's my first morning task, is to turn off the alarm and turn off the heater in the greenhouse and then monitor all day. But the orchids are just gorgeous. What can I tell you? I'm here, and all I'm allowed to drink is water. Stacy knows that. Barry knows that. Will, you're finding it out. If I dare to drink caffeine, can you imagine how much livelier I would be on the radio? So we're here talking today with three experts on the topic of, we're talking about testing and planning for continued revenue growth. Our focus is B2B, but this show is formerly called Think Big, Work Small. Lorraine Maurice at SAP is our wonderful sponsor. I'm hoping she's coming back to renew in 2020 because this is our only game changer show that focuses on the SMB, small to mid-sized business or some of you call it SME, small to mid-sized enterprise. That's what our panelists specialize in. So we're going to take a quick break. We're going to let our panelists have a pause that refreshes only 90 seconds. That's all. And we're going to come back and we're going to start the roundtable formally with something that Barry Maltz sent me in advance. So we're going to go around and around the table with some of Barry's thoughts and some of Stacy's and some of Will's. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. You know the drill. Aaron out.
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Studies have shown that buyers in today's digital economy are spending more time online than ever before, discovering and researching products and services. As a result, it is critical for businesses like yours to learn how to locate and engage with prospects and customers in this digital space. Changing the Game in Revenue Growth explores the impact of the changing digital economy on small to medium-sized businesses. We'll define the challenges SMEs face to proactively connect with buyers on their digital journey and share proven strategies to put into action to be successful. Tune in to hear the experiences and insights of top sales and marketing thought leaders and practitioners as they discuss how the digital economy is reshaping the SME business world. Think big, work small. Presented by SAP on the Business Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages and messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're listening to Changing the Game in Revenue Growth, presented by SAP. You're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Changing the Game in Revenue Growth. Absolutely. We're talking today about two of the cornerstones of a good marketing health check strategy, testing and planning. Why? For continued revenue growth. That's what you want to do. And we're on the cusp of planning for 2020. Even I'm planning for radio shows for 2020. We're talking today with Barry Moltz. He spells his last name M-O-L-T-Z at the Schaffron Moltz Group, LLC. We're speaking with Stacey Sussman at the SSR Digital Group and Will Black all the way from Ireland today at SAP. And I'm still Bonnie. So here we go. We're going to start the roundtable now. And here's something Barry told me in his notes before the show. We're going to have Barry talk for about two minutes. Then we'll see what Stacy has to say. And we'll see what Will has to say. Then we'll pick a statement from Stacy and one from Will and go around and around. And we'll end the show with predictions just before the top of the hour. So Barry said the following. The best part about digital marketing is that you can see if it works or not. It used to be with print marketing, you had to guess. But now you know why looking at the reports. Barry, let's relate this to our testing and planning. Talk to me, please. Well, I think the most interesting part is that, you know, we do a lot of print advertising, and there's that old saying, Bonnie, that goes, hey, I know that 50% of my marketing is working. I'm just not quite sure which 50% it is. <laughs> and so you had to do a lot of guessing because people always couldn't tell you how they actually found you. Now with digital marketing, you actually can go and look at the reports and see what worked and what didn't work. The biggest problem is people never look at to see what worked and what didn't work. Even those folks that do some of the most basic email marketing or use Google Analytics, they never check their Google Analytics to see where people are coming from, what pages they've landed on, or in email marketing, they never look at how many people open up their email or how many people click through. Digital marketing is a process really of testing. You've kind of got to plan things out, test, see what works, see what doesn't work, go back and test it again so you can have the best outcome. 
Thank you very much. I like the way you reference back to the old days of print marketing. Are companies still doing that, Barry? Or is it print? I mean, the oh. we're talking flyers and we're talking things that are dropped in real physical mailboxes and magazines that are not the digital footprint but the real paper magazines. Are companies oh, and small businesses? Absolutely. I have a client out on the West Coast who's a residential property management company, and they've been very effective finding property owners by doing inserts in the local property ah. management newsletter, and it's just a little postcard, and they get a lot of those back. Interesting. Good. Good to touch base with the old meeting, the new. Thank you very much. Stacey Sussman, let's get your thoughts on using the reports to figure out how your digital marketing is doing. Agree or disagree with Barry, please? Yes, I agree with Barry. Um, I agree that your example of the real estate client is a good use of print marketing. I will say I disagree that most people should not be using print anymore because there is no way to test metrics and effectiveness. And even the ways that there are are, I think, a little bogus these days when you have reports and systems that can prove to you metrics. I think the one piece that Barry didn't mention is KPIs and goals. So as though you're continuously testing and planning, that is absolutely crucial. But this is a perfect time of the year to goal set for 2020. And if that's monthly or quarterly or semi-annually, depending on how your business works, it is so crucial to understand that you are looking to achieve a certain goal. And then you have to see if you fell short of the goal or you over-exceeded the goal. And you have to be nimble enough to move and pivot in the direction that's working and shy away from the direction that's not working. Because if you're not setting a goal at the end of the day, you're just kind of riding through the, the sky with no direction. Stacy, quick question before I bring Will in. Is this a team effort to look at what how effective the whether it's print or whether it's digital or a combination whose job is it to do this is there a team that says okay it's december of 2019 and we need a testing and planning team to look at this and and give us the word from the top of the company or from the bottom of the company on what we should do in in the next year is this something that is done throughout marketing's full year or is this something you have a designated group to do just curious I think it's a, it's a group effort. I think for this conversation with testing and planning, we're specifically talking marketing and kind of like growth generation and lead generation. But I think this could be done across the organization. So there has to be goals that uh, across the org for the company and then each department, everyone should be working towards those goals. So the days of departments being siloed, like sales doesn't talk to marketing and marketing and sales don't talk to finance or research are over. If that that's how your company works, it's, it's going to go out of business as long as everyone is collectively working towards a goal. But obviously within marketing, your department should be working towards the goal that the team has set forth. And obviously, you know, it's going to be helmed by whoever the leader of that piece of the organization is. But it's not should be just one person that makes the decision. It should be a collaborative effort. Thank you very much for that clarification. Will Black, join us, please. Talk about what what Barry Moltz started with and or what Stacy added. Go ahead, Will. Sure, I agree with both. And what I would say when it comes to this goal setting, looking at the reports, you know, what does the data tell you? And then look at the business impact and how can you match that up? Because oftentimes you can get stuck in vanity metrics. You know, you can say, I got 150 mm. likes on that post. But was there any business impact or was there an impact on our brand? You need to look at them not in silos, but as an overall for the business. 
because the chances are you're doing something right or wrong and you just don't know what the results are or how it's connected to business. When you look at then having a plan, testing, the more you test, and we relate it back to some of the quotes from earlier, the more you plan and test, the better you can be at this and the better you can have your digital marketing strategy work for you and your business. Thank you very much. Good topic, Barry. I'm going to move on to one from Stacy. Stacy, here's a favorite word of mine. We just talked about it on my show an hour ago, and it came up again in your notes. You say, it's incredibly important to define your buyer personas and update these often. I'll let you finish the thought here. So, Stacy, tell us more, please. Every company needs to have um, buyer personas or, or else kind of like, what are you shooting for at the end of the day? What, what, who is your avatar? Who is your target? Who is your buyer? And it, it doesn't have to be one person. It could be four people. It could be a handful of people. But you have to be very clear about who those people are. And so when you're running digital marketing campaigns, say there's four buyer personas, each campaign should be targeted to each different buyer personas. And the framework for what that campaign looks like doesn't need to be the same for buyer A or B or C. It it doesn't matter. It just has to be specific to who the buyer is. Because at the end of the day, you need to talk to these people in a different way, and then you need to, you know, convert them into customers. Interesting. So who decides, who develops and maintains these personas? Again, this goes back to my question for you a few minutes ago, Stacey. Is this something that you have a a persona manager? Is this something that everybody in marketing does? Is this something that the salespeople collect these and share them with the team as they go about their digital business? Where do these come from? These relate back to the data and metrics that you're calculating from your campaigns, whether it's from your digital marketing campaigns or you're getting conversion metrics on who your buyer is. There's um, a formula that you can develop by looking through all these metrics and kind of figuring out who your buyer persona is. And it's also important to note that these buyer personas can pivot. So just because you started a company and you think you're buyer is the CEO of a financial institution, but really you realize it's the CEO of a hedge fund, maybe those conversations you're having with those people are different. So you have to continuously iterate on what those personas look like, but um, it's collectively looking at that data and figuring out who those people are. Thank you. Great insights. Will Black, join us. Agree or disagree or add on to what Stacey Sussman just shared, please. Sure, I, I definitely agree. And something I, I've seen work well in the past is you look at your last five customers and, you know, Stacey mentioned the, the personas of them. What are their common characteristics? So if you list it out, look, I've got my most five recent customers. What are the common things about each of them? Maybe it's the seniority um, of the person you're dealing with. Maybe it's the industry. Maybe they're a company that have achieved some rapid growth. I think it's a really interesting way to look at the data and build a persona around that because that clearly works. They're your customer. Thank you very much. Barry Maltz, let's go around the table to you. What do you think? Personas, what do they mean to you and your business? Well, I love this topic because so many times I'll ask the small business owner, Bonnie, who is your customer? And many times I get the answer, well, anybody will buy from us. And that just can't be the right way to do digital marketing and to grow your company because you really have to know who is who are you really marketing to. Like So for me, I help small business owners that are stuck. 
They've been in business three to five years. They're men and women in their 40s and 50s. They did over a million dollars of sales. They've had enough success, but they can't get to where they go. Who exactly do you market to? And digital marketing makes it so easy once you have the persona to try to find other people that are just like that that will increase your chances of your campaign being successful. Thank you very much. Stacey, anything you want to add there before I move on? No, I agree with what everyone's saying, and I totally agree with what Barry said. I go to into my clients and partners, and I say, who is your buyer? And they give me a laundry list of either 100 people that are their buyers, or they say exactly what Barry said, we don't know. Well, that's a huge red flag and a huge problem. If you can't identify who your buyer is, you need to start over and go back to basics. Like Will had mentioned, there's so many metrics that you could find out these days. And then you can make um, campaigns and formulate hypotheses of testing and planning around what the metrics tell you. So Stacey, you were saying if you don't have a clear persona of the buyer or they don't know who that buyer would be for that particular product, service, or solution. Again, I'm going to go back to my people question. Is there a persona research specialist or is it each each salesperson, each marketing person, the one who is who is working with that client or that prospect? Is it their role to search this out? Who, who gets to do this going back and looking at these metrics? Is this something your whole sales and marketing team has to be schooled in? Yeah, I mean, the, the data and the research, it, to me, lives with the marketing and research department. I'm working with startups and SMBs and SMEs, and they obviously don't have all these departments defined, but someone um, in marketing or someone that's really good at data and analytics who can kind of crunch the numbers and, like Will had said, look at similarities and differences – that that's person's job to do that and formulate those personas. Everyone in the organization needs to be on board and articulate as to who those buyer personas are. And sort of every business decision you're making should have that buyer persona in mind when you're making decisions for the company. Thank you very much. Appreciate the elaboration. Will Black, I'm looking at your notes here. I'm picking your first statement you sent me before the show. This is a very human statement here. I'm focusing on the human part of what we're doing here today. You say, how many times, this is addressing our business audience around the world, how many times, Will asks, have you slapped your forehead, hopefully not too hard, and said, if only I had planned for this in life and business, we just don't plan enough. How are we going to plan to hit the sales target? How are we going to plan to pay the mortgage? How will we grow by 20% in 12 months, etc.? By having a plan, it doesn't guarantee success, but it sure does help. Let's talk about the planning part of all this discussion. Will Black, please tell us more. Sure, Bunny. So one of my main reasons for actually looking at the, the topic in more detail was it's something that I'm so passionate about. And my thoughts are that a plan could be adapted. So like I say, it doesn't guarantee success, but you can tailor the tactics within it. And ultimately, you've got something tangible that you can refer back to when something good happens in your business or when something bad happens. Like I say, we want to just avoid that, oh, if, if only I had made a plan, if only I had something to reference to. So I think it's, it's really important. It gives you that guiding light. It gives you that little railroad that you can get back on and get to the destination. Thank you very much. Very interesting. Let's go around to Barry Maltz. You agree? And I have another statement I'm going to read from Will when we go around on this one. Barry, thoughts on what Will just shared? 
I love what Will just shared because I see so many people, especially this time of year, Bonnie, set goals, and then they don't plan anything to actually meet that goal. They say, okay, I'm going to increase my sales by 20%, but my question is, what are you going to do differently or in addition that's actually going to get you to that 20%? What are the two or three critical success factors that have to happen for you to hit 20%? In other words, are you going to invest more money in marketing? Are you going to have different products? Are you going to hire different people? What is going to change? Because as all we know from that famous quote, hope is not a strategy. Uh, <laughs> you just dropped that on me, Barry. That's a printable, uh, crocheteable moment on the side it, of a pillow. It, it, Hope I is don't know not. Who said it, but I'll come back with that quote next time because it wasn't my original quote. It really wasn't. I love it. I will look it up in a minute. Stacy, thoughts on on what Will shared before I go back to Will? Go ahead. Yeah. So I mean, we're talking a lot about planning here. So what I like to talk to um, small companies are are a roadmap. So. Exactly. You don't have to have this roadmap doesn't have to be all inclusive and you can't deviate from it. You need to have a roadmap of, to what these metrics are going to look like, what these goals look like. How are you going to tactically achieve these goals with benchmarks and metrics? And then it's okay to pivot from it. And that's what I think some companies are afraid of, that if they don't hit this, um, they failed. Not true. All of my startups are, are, are nimble and they're figuring it out. So as long as you have a roadmap that you're following and you can change, that's, that's okay. Thank you. Barry, you know I looked it up while she was talking, while I was listening to Stacy, and here it is. Apparently it's a James Cameron quote, and here's the full quote. Hope is not a strategy. Luck is not a factor. Fear is not an option. I want to cry now. I like the fear is not enough. I love that. <laughs> okay. You can use it next time if you want, Barry, but there you go. You All can right, write that down. You. James Francis Cameron, quotable quotes. There you go. I found this on Goodreads. It's been attributed to a lot of other people, but this is the one that seems to be the one that it's been used at different uh, political conventions, apparently. And yes, it's a title of somebody who wrote a famous letter. And it's all over Pinterest and Amazon and everywhere. Hope is not a strategy. I, I, with Bonnie, hope. I say a lot of great things, but I try not to say whatever's original. I don't want to take credit for it, you know? <laughs> well, we just validated that it wasn't yours. So there, I'm help. I'm helping you be honest about your quotables. Thank you very much, Thank Barry. You. You're welcome. You know me by now. Uh, Will Black, I'm back to your notes here. I, I want to talk a little bit more about planning. We actually have, oh, about eight minutes left until we go to our predictions. You're all speaking very concisely today. So we have lots of content we can cover. Uh, you talk about, let me see here. Um, <laughs> okay, you say to get started with planning and testing, Will says, his advice is to look back before jumping forward. For example, where did your last three signed customers originate from? An event, a LinkedIn post, a reference from another customer. Using data will ensure you're putting effective plans and testing methodologies in place. Let's talk about this strategy of looking back. Uh, why don't you give us a little more examples, a few more examples, and then we'll get Barry and Stacy to chime in too. Will, go ahead. Sure. Thanks, Bonnie. So with this, I guess it comes back to it's similar to buyer personas. You're looking at what was the trigger for them. So what triggered them to want to do business with you? Maybe they came up to your stand at an event and your salesperson was really good and they engaged with them. Maybe they were talking to some of your current customers because they live down the street for them. Or again, they could have met them at an event or they got a referral online. Using the data that you have, 
will help you to make plans and put more testing methodologies in place. You can use what experience that these people who are your customers, so it's, it's really, really important data to make the best things happen for your next customers. So what was the best thing about our marketing campaign that triggered this person's sign? And sometimes you can ask them. I think it's not a bad thing to ask your customers, mm. hey, thanks for doing business with us. Tell me why did you sign? Was it our expertise? Was it our really good marketing campaign? Maybe it was someone in the business. I think that's another really good place to look at building and planning for the future. Thank you. Very interesting observation. Barry Maltz, agree or disagree with Mr. Well, Will Black? What do you think? I guess I, I guess I look at it a little differently because uh-huh. marketing is so important because I think that we actually can't sell anything to anybody. We have to be there when people are ready to buy. Now, that's a quote. I don't know if it's going to fit on a pillow, Bonnie, but that's a very bold <laughs> quote. Um, but I think what happens is that that's why marketing is so important because we never know when someone is going to actually have the pain or, as Will said, the trigger is going to be there. But you have to be in their mind. You have to be, I call it the maybe pile. You'll see one of the three people they think of that if they say they have this pain, they're going to say, well, I could do business with Joe or Sally or Fred. If you're not in that list, you're never going to get the business. So marketing has to be a consistent thing so you can be there whenever they have that pain or that problem. Interesting. Okay. Thank you very much. Stacy. chime in, please. So we're talking a lot about data and metrics, but my question is where are all this data and metrics coming from? So for my clients, I do a lot of work in CRM tools. So for a bigger company, we would use something like a Salesforce and maybe a smaller company, we're using something like a HubSpot. So where does all this data and metrics live? If you're getting kind of customer data or lead generation data, they can live in a CRM tool. The other thing is if you're talking social, so where do these metrics live and where does this demographic and psychographic information live about your clients? It could be a proprietary tool that your company has created and patented and and it's proprietary to your company, or it could be as simple as social media platforms. Facebook has analytics, um, Instagram has analytics, LinkedIn, even Mm -hmm. Google Analytics. So we also... One big point is we're talking about metrics, but we're not saying sort of where they live. Thank you very much. I want to touch on something I don't think we've covered yet. We have a few more minutes before predictions time. Barry, I'm looking at your notes, and the last statement you sent me says, set budget goals every year and make sure you add the expenses that need to be added to meet those goals. Measure yourself monthly against targets. And here's the key, only revise once each year, not every month. Barry, why, 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 and why not? Talk to me. Well, first of all, I think as, as, a, as a lot of what we're talking about is you've got to have goals. And if you don't have goals, then where really are you? But if you keep revising your goals every single month so you feel good about meeting those goals, what's the point of having the goals in the first place? So when I have small business owners look at how they're doing every month financially, I always say, well, how do we do compared to last month? How do we do compared to last year? How do we do compared to year-to-date last year? And most importantly, how do we do compared to where we thought we would be? Because many of us, if we set a budget goal, let's say we want to increase revenue by 20%, then we're increasing our expenses by hopefully a lesser amount. And chances are we've spent that money ahead of getting the revenue. So if we spent the money, we want to see do we actually achieve the goals that we thought. That's the only way you can really measure 
how you're doing against what you plan to do. Interesting. But why once a year and why not every month, Barry? Isn't, shouldn't there be a, hey, we're really off on this one, or maybe every quarter we're really off on our budget and we really need to do better, and three months have passed and, and we really were off the mark, and if we don't think about it now, just just help me out with this. Why not quarterly, I, let's I, say? I guess, you could, I guess you could do it every quarter. The problem is that a lot of folks want to adjust it every single month just to make themselves feel better, and I don't think that really helps us out. I think that we went into the uh, year with a certain set of assumptions, and why didn't those assumptions prove out? And I think if you look at it and you only change it every six months, you'll really ask that question, why didn't our assumptions work out, and what do we have to do differently in the second, the second half? Yeah, I, business actually moves a lot more slowly, and we have to wait till things prove themselves out or don't prove themselves out. Thank you very much. Interesting. So patience sounds like a virtue in this case. We have a couple more minutes. Stacy. I'd love to get your thoughts on this and Will as well. Agree or disagree with Barry? Some interesting concepts there. What do you think, Stacy? How often should you measure expenses against budget? I disagree. Um, I agree with his latter part of his comments. I work with startups, and they are flying at literally lightning speed. And also, they're raising capital, and they're raising funding. So I also think that brings in another piece of the pie that they're expecting to get a couple of million dollars um, by, you know, second half of the year. And that will, like, dramatically change the course of what their company looks like. So I do think for startups, you should plan a little bit in smaller increments knowing that there's really explosive growth that's probably going to happen if they got a round of funding or something else similar to that. Thank you. I'm glad you disagreed. We love it when we raise the bar here. Will Black, chime in. What side of the, the budget and setting and goals and checking expenses are you on? Yeah, I'd be, I'd be on the um, same opinion of quarterly. I think for me is, is best practice. I do understand what Barry is saying and I've seen companies want to do that as well. They either want to shoot their targets up or bring them down and it's it's nearly a fear factor but i think if it's structured and if you're looking at something every three months is a really good benchmark to say okay let's take some time what's working let's do more of that what's not working let's do less of that i think it comes down to it being as simple as that and then you have most companies have their overall yearly revenue target and let's just have a a check-in every quarter to look at that how how likely are we to hit it what do we need to do more of what are some potential big wins? Maybe it's a big event. Maybe summer is massive for you. And how, do, how are we going to plan again and test to get there? Thank you very much. Barry, you want to make a comment back to your colleagues on the panel here? Sure. We've had... I, I, Go I ahead. think that the most important thing here is that we actually do budgets, not necessarily how often we change them or we change them mm-hmm. every six months or three months. Most small business owners won't put together a budget because they're afraid to be judged later on in how they thought they were going to do. If we can get most people to actually put together a budget so they can measure how they thought they're going to do and how they're currently doing, I think we'd be 90% of the way there. Thank you very much. And for for a, a, a tweeting this, Barry, I'm saying for B2B revenue growth, set budget goals every year and add expenses to meet those goals. Measure yourself monthly against your targets. Only revise once a year or quarter not monthly. And I've got an adorable picture from somebody, one of the photographers on Unsplash, and it's a piggy bank looking straight in the eye, a pink piggy bank looking straight in the eye in the picture. <laughs> and I think that's kind of cute. So I want all of you to please find this on hashtag SAP Radio and retweet it because it's 
It's a worthy, yes, we got to get into piggy bank. We are now officially in the crystal ball predictions round, and I can't wait, hit my mic, sorry. I can't wait to hear what the three of my expert panelists have to say. By the way, it's been a, a great conversation. Will, I, I want, don't want to wait till the end of the show. What do you think of being in the roundtable like this? Has this been good for you? It's a great experience, yeah, really happy to uh, be on. I'm glad. I'm glad. Barry and Stacey have been on before, so I know they're enjoying themselves. So, Barry Maltz, you're up first. I can give you all of 60 seconds. You know how generous I am at the end of the show with that clock is ticking. And I want to know, what do you think will change about this concept of testing and planning for continued revenue growth in 2020? And any time as far out, Barry, as maybe 2025. So, 60 seconds. Mr. Maltz, predictions, go. I think you have to really think about, you know, how you can do this idea of uh, testing and planning better. And I think what's going to help a lot of small business owners, because they don't even know the right question to ask, but this is really where I think artificial intelligence is going to come into play. Artificial intelligence is going to be able to analyze your data and be able to give you advice on what you should test next or what you should be planning for. They're really going to help you out in the years to come. And furthermore, you won't even have to read it. You'll just be able to ask the question and they'll talk back to you. That's really where we're heading. Wouldn't that be nice? We've always said, don't talk back to me. <laughs> and now we say, please talk back to me. I think times have changed there. Stacey Sussman, I've got 60 seconds with your name on them. What do you predict? So the concept of testing and planning will not change. And I think that's funny because work in technology, everything changes. I think the way that we're going to get to the testing and the planning and the metrics and the platforms will completely be different in 2025. So I think we're really talking about sort of a rudimentary back to basics concept. However, like Barry said, like AI, like AI could be the next big thing, but speaking to developers and coders, like it's still not perfect. There could be something that comes out that's better than that. So I don't think we know what that will look like, but I think the fundamentals will, will still be there. Thank you very much. We like to rely on our fundamentals, don't we, Stacey? We need a little bit of grounding. Will Black, I can, oh my goodness, Will, breaking news. They were so concise in their predictions. I can give you 90 seconds. Are you ready, Will? Go ahead. So I really think that testing will get easier as technology advances. So you get a certain amount of data right now before you launch a campaign that tries to predict how successful you're going to be. That's generally just based nearly on the size of the database and maybe their propensity to buy. But I really do think that it could analyze your campaign, whether it's the video you're putting out there, the photo you're putting out there, how much their audience could engage with that. And also even taking in more of the human elements. So looking at, you know, they can try and get analytics on what is this person feeling today? Are they going to be, you know, ready to buy because... X, Y, and Z have happened, and we've got a database that captures that information. You know, I think that the whole technology of understanding our buyers, what they're thinking nearly before they go out and make an action, will really help testing and planning in the future for businesses. Thank you very much. Very, very good insights. We have just a couple of minutes left. Um, I think, what have we got here? Three minutes left. I need one to close the show. So let me just go around and ask any very, very special plans to usher in and welcome in 2020. Barry, where will you be if you want to tell us? Barry, you still with us? 
I said, I'm going to be right next to my spouse, Sarah, who I've been there for 30 years. Wherever she's going to be, Bonnie, I'm going to be. <laughs> well, we'll ask her to tell you where she's going to be so we can get a locator for you. Thank you very much. Happy New Year. Slightly in advance to you and Sarah. That's that's nice. That's very nice. Stacy, what are you planning for welcoming in the, the year with the double, the double, double 2020? I am heading south. To warm weather where there is sun, suntan lotion, and cocktails. So anywhere south that I can hang out by a pool um, and chase after two little kids, that's where I'll be. <laughs> okay. I like the hanging out by the pool and the two little kids. Well, that seems to go with the package. So that sounds lovely. Will, what do you do in Ireland for New Year's Eve? Anything special? So I'll be, I'll be getting out of the city. So... My um, origin, I actually am from about 90 miles east of Galway and going back to my roots. So I grew up on a family farm, so I'll be going back there, getting, a, getting out one with nature again and enjoying the fresh air. Very, very nice. So I want to do a shout out to our engineer extraordinaire, Aaron Keller, at the World Talk Radio Business Channel. And a shout out again to Lorraine Maurice for sponsoring the series. And Allison Tomoff, episode organizer, you have been wonderful to work with this year, Allison. You've been on time. You've been diligent in gathering guest information for me, setting up the prep calls. And I greatly appreciate your skills, Allison Tomoff. So I wish Lorraine and Allison a happy everything. So it's time to say goodbye. And here's my call to action. Here we go. Fasten your seatbelt. What? in the world are you waiting for the year's running out do something test and plan before it's over go out and be a game changer today just like barry moltz at shaffron moltz group llc just like stacy sussman at the ssr digital group and of course just like our new panelist will black at sap bonnie d graham signing off and remember tomorrow morning 11 a.m eastern right here on the business channel is the start of part five parts of my annual predictions crystal ball special i will have 60 guests over the next five shows on technology revolution the future of now 11 a.m eastern you don't want to miss it have a great day bye bye thanks again for tuning in to changing the game and revenue growth presented by sap the best run sap to keep the conversation going Tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.